Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about controversial ideas, unacceptable views, and pry through the madness. I'm your host, Brian. Now, before I get into the show for today, I cannot believe the cat that Elon has let out of the bag. But more shocking than that is the reaction to it. The majority of the responses that I've seen on Twitter and other social media have been one of the following two. The first reaction is, People say this is a giant nothing burger. And the second reaction is people saying that, well, the other side is worse or they're no better. Now, for the record, I don't really care what side the corruption is coming from. Condemn it all. Left versus right is a distraction game that the powerful want us to play so we don't hold their feet to the fire. It's really a battle between people that want to control us and us. Yes, it's that simple. And I'm on the side of us. Anyways, this week's topic, I will warn you, it's a little sad and dark. Uh, I would suspect some of you won't agree with me, but give it a listen because the government solutions here are brutally bad. And so, well, they're important for you to know about. It deals with death and the medical system. um, But I fear it's yet another cog in the wheel that has the potential to be used against us. And you know how things like this work. They will be if we let them get away with it. So as sad as it is, I'm going to have to cover it. Here we go. Now I'm going to say it's difficult for me to talk about death without becoming somewhat emotional. You see, I lost my dad to cancer a couple of weeks before my 20th birthday. And it was really difficult because I knew he would never see me buy my first car or buy my first house or see me get married or even see my kids. It's a tough pill to swallow. Which is why this week's episode is of particular interest to me. In today's upside-down morality, it's extremely alarming that our government is pushing universal death care. Not universal health care. You heard me. Universal death care. Now, at heart, I'm an individualist through and through. To me, collectivism in all its popular and already tested versions, be it communism or socialism or fascism, they're all evil. The reason why is simple. Collectivism takes away your ability to make your own choices. It doesn't matter what's best for you. When the collective is the higher societal value, your values take second place. They get sacrificed. But not in a good way. I think that you as an individual should make the decisions about your life yourself. Those individual choices should only be limited by you not hurting other people or taking their stuff. Now, someone once asked me if I supported the death penalty. As a Canadian, supporting the death penalty is generally frowned upon. Now, personally, I think there's some people, if absolutely 100% guilty of a heinous and evil crime, well, they should probably be put down. I know that's harsh to say. But here's the problem. The problem is that this is something that the government is involved in. And that's where, even if I could get on board, you'd lose me. I don't trust the government. They take everything and twist it to their nefarious purposes. So, no deal. So given that, what about the ability of a person to commit suicide? Well, I don't agree with suicide at all. It's massively tragic. But in the end, it's your life to live or end as an individual. Now, the main reason I don't support it is because when people commit suicide, they almost always hurt people in the process. However, 
the decision is ultimately yours to make in principle, even if I don't agree with the action of doing it. Okay, so this is a pretty dark episode so far, and I apologize for that. The reason why I bring all this up is because I recently found an article from the CBC that was harshly callous and grim to the human condition. But before I jump into that article, let me quickly bring up MAID, which is Medical Assistance in Dying. In June of 2016, the federal government of Canada passed legislation that allows for people, under certain conditions, to have medical assistance in dying. Essentially, they can have healthcare provided suicide. Set aside that dead people have no health to speak of, and that people that are in the process of committing suicide are definitely not taking care of their health. But as I mentioned earlier, begrudgingly, this ought to be a personal choice. The bigger problem, as always, is when the government gets involved. Now, I spoke a little bit about this a few episodes ago before I found this CBC article. In that episode, I talked about how old people have paid into the medical system their whole lives. Now, when you're young, you generally don't need healthcare, but when you get older, those healthcare costs inevitably start going up. So to a government, the older you get, the more expensive a liability you are. Think of it this way, to the government, if you paid all this money your whole life and never collected the services, they get to keep all that money. It costs them next to nothing. Like any business, you try to lower your costs. Now you see, governments are not stupid. In typical government fashion, they start off slow. To get this procedure was somewhat challenging at first. The criteria were stringent. At first, to qualify for MAID, the government said you had to meet the following criteria. Now I'll read the list. A. They are eligible or, but for any applicable minimum period of residence or waiting period, would be eligible for health services funded by a government in Canada. B. They are at least 18 years of age and capable of making decisions with respect to their health. C. They have a grievous and irremediable medical condition. D. They have made a voluntary request for medical assistance in dying that in particular was not made as a result of external pressure and E. They give informed consent to receive medical assistance in dying after having been informed of the means that are available to relieve their suffering, including palliative care. Now fast forward to 2021. Legislation expands on who can ask for MAID to include people that don't have a grievous and irremediable medical condition. Even having a mental illness can qualify you now. This is the nature of a slippery slope. Now consider that the group of people that are moving into the older age category is getting much bigger. Naturally, people age, but in this case, we have an exaggerated situation due to that large group of people known as the baby boomers. The government obviously knows this too. The problem is that the money those boomers fed into the healthcare system is long gone. Now all those retired, older people that need health care more than at any other time in their lives will end up with an even more diminished service than they have now. Plus, that service for that large boomer group is being funded by a significantly smaller group of people that came after them. And so how do you deal with this if you're the government? 
Well, by definition, unpopular ideas are unpopular. So how do you propose an unpopular idea without risking losing the next election? Well, one way is to discreetly get the ideas into the public sphere to observe the reaction. As many of you know, much of how the government operates is through mainstream media manipulation. They frequently put out feelers to see what they might be able to get away with. They assess the public's sentiment. Which brings us now finally to the CBC article I mentioned earlier. Although I just found this article from a tweet by Michelle L.A., the article dates back to 2017 and it's titled, Medically Assisted Deaths Could Save Millions in Healthcare Spending Report. Now, isn't that pleasant? How can the government save money? Well, by sacrificing your lives, of course. Keep in mind that the stats they use in the article predate the updated and lowered requirement to qualify for medically assisted suicide. Now, I've linked the CBC article here in the show notes at memoryholeshow.com, so head on over and have a look. But if you don't have time, here are a few of the key takeaways. The savings by having people use MAID would be between $34 million and $137 million yearly. The cost of doing made would be a measly 1.5 million to 14.8 million per year. That's a bargain, isn't it? Except the price isn't paid in the savings of government taxes, but in the lives of the people lost. Those are the costs based on 2017. As I mentioned earlier, the qualifiers have since been lowered. As this slippery slope gets more slippery, how far will it go before people start to speak up and push back? Now consider this next piece of crafty framing from the article. Now I'll preface it with this. We often hear from the left that the rich, the 1%, control X amount of the money, which is significantly more than the 1% of the population they represent. Forget the fact that people create value and get paid for it, which is to say that money in society isn't communal, but rather individual-based. In the same way that they frame that the 1% have hogged more than their fair share, here again, they do it, but in relation to healthcare costs. Listen to this quote. 20% of healthcare costs are attributable to patients within the six months before they die, despite their representing only 1% of the population. Is this really how we should be determining medical decisions. Now, as a side note, this is a fundamental problem with socialized healthcare. You pay first, then you have to chase to get the service. You pay first, then later they take away options. They take them off the table. There's no refund for the removal of those services. Then you have to pay out of pocket to get those options back again. It's completely backwards. It's for the same reason that people go to work first and provide a service before collecting their paycheck. If it was done the other way around, half the people wouldn't provide the work. B.F. Skinner illustrated this in his experiments on operant conditioning, work then reward. In our current system in Canada, where you pay first, there is an incentive to do as little as possible for what has been paid for. They already have your money. The problem, of course, is that doing the minimum catches up with you after a while. Neglect leads to greater costs later. 
which then leads to articles like the one here from the CBC. Don't get me wrong, there's no perfect solution to healthcare, but basic human behavior and psychology should influence the way we deliver healthcare. Anyways, getting back to the main point here, where will this slippery slope lead? The government has not been shy in using coercion as a tool for compliance over the last few years. In fact, in many places, not being vaccinated disqualified you from collecting EI. Even though you paid into EI your whole life up until that point and continue to have to pay for it, boom, the government yanks that safety net out from under you. Why? Compliance to the greater good. Who knows what sort of corrupt schemes will be created in the future in the name of compassion. As we've often seen from the government, today's voluntary becomes tomorrow's mandatory. Will they try to combine these types of healthcare with the climate change depopulation goals? Say, instead of a one-child policy like in China, they have a max age before you are forced into MAID. Or maybe you could get extensions to your life, but only through rigorous compliance via the tracking done with your digital ID, say. If you asked me 10 years ago, or even maybe five years ago, to think up crazy ideas like this, it would have been unimaginable to me. But every day it seems like we're going further into a dystopian twilight zone. In the end, I hope people that qualify for MAID don't feel undue pressure to not be a burden on their family or the government coffers. This would be a very sad tragedy. In the end, this doesn't sound like healthcare. To me, it sounds more like death care. Again, sorry for covering such a sad and depressing topic, but I think the more people are aware of MAID and where it could go, the better. The article from the CBC is linked in the show notes at memoryholeshow.com. And again, it really helps when you share the show notes with people. I'm truly grateful. And if you know someone that would like the show, convince them to subscribe to the show. Leave me a five-star review. All these little things add up to the show getting boosted up the ranks so more people can discover it. Now, I've noticed that more people are starting to engage on Twitter as well, which is awesome. As always, my most recent episode is pinned just below my Twitter profile at Memory Hole Show. Thanks for joining the conversation and unsilencing yourselves. And don't forget, speak up or you'll get memory hold. All content from MemoryHoleShow.com and the Memory Hole Show is for the purpose of entertainment and is presented solely as opinion.